Hey, this is the Mark Butler Show, episode 32, and this is the sixth in a multi-part series I'm calling Bookkeeping 101, where my entire goal is to help all flavors of solopreneur, whether you're a coach, a consultant, freelancer, I want to help you master the language of your business finances so that you can become your own CFO. If you've listened to any of my other podcast episodes, you know that this is not how my voice normally sounds. I'm not sick. I feel great. But I think the the sheer number of hours I have spent consulting this week have cost me my voice. So you can join my wife in making fun of how I sound right now. For the last couple of days, she's been subjected to me constantly saying, hey, girl, because my voice never sounds like this. And 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 with just the right phrase, I think it sounds pretty cool. But unfortunately, next week, I think I'll be back to my normal non-deep bass voice. But today we need to talk about balance sheets because we've talked about income statements, also known as profit and loss statements, in the last episode. And we learned in the episode about profit and loss statements that they help us understand where our money is coming from and where our money is going. And also a well-organized profit and loss statement helps us understand the relative profitability of each of our products or services in our business. So if you haven't listened to that already, go back and listen to episode 31. If you haven't subscribed to the show, go to iTunes, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode of the Bookkeeping 101 series or the Mark Butler show in general. But today let's talk about balance sheets. Now balance sheets along with profit and loss statements are the two financial reports that we'll use most as we're trying to understand the financial health of our businesses. The P&L really tells us where our money has come from and where our money has gone. The balance sheet gives us a quick snapshot into where our money is right now. It's a good tool for helping us understand how much cash we have on hand, how much financial strength or weakness is in our business right now, and what our opportunities are given the assets and the liabilities that are, that are in our business right now. So let's talk about how the balance sheet is organized, what goes on it, and then let's talk about how we can use it to make decisions in our business. The balance sheet is made up of three main sections. We have assets, we have liabilities, and we have owner equity. Keep in mind that I'm gearing this entire Bookkeeping 101 series to solopreneurs, freelancers, coaches. So all of this could be much more complicated, but in our use case, yours and mine, it doesn't need to be much more complicated. So for our purposes, assets will mostly be cash. Cash on hand and cash equivalents. We could have, on a more complicated balance sheet, We could have what you call current assets and long-term assets. Current assets would be cash and cash equivalents and accounts receivable. Long-term assets would be those assets that are more difficult to convert to cash. So it could be equipment, machinery, land, that sort of thing that the business could own and has value, sometimes a ton of value, but it's harder to convert that value to cash. So instead of calling it a current asset, we call it a long-term asset. Well, in your business and mine, we probably don't have any long-term assets. I have a $2,500 laptop, a $700 monitor. As I'm trying to make decisions about what to do with the assets that I have on hand, I'm not asking myself, well, should I sell the laptop? Of course not. I need the laptop. I need the monitor. So they don't really play into my balance sheet because they also don't represent a big percentage of the business's assets and operations in general. That's why on my balance sheet and my client's balance sheets, I'm tracking cash, checking accounts, savings accounts, PayPal account, also Stripe account, authorized.net, depending on how you process payments. These accounts are not technically checking accounts or bank accounts, 
but they're what I would call a cash equivalent because the money lands in Stripe. And then of course, Stripe transfers it directly over to my checking account. Well, after it has left my customer's hands and before it lands in my checking account, it has to be somewhere. So I call that money in Stripe. So at any given moment, if I've received payments from my clients and the money has landed in Stripe, but now it's in the process of ending up in my checking account, while before it lands in my checking account, I say that it's in Stripe. So Stripe is one of the accounts that I track as a current asset or a cash equivalent on my balance sheet. So if you were to look at my balance sheet right now or the balance sheet of any of my clients, you'd see their checking accounts, their savings accounts, PayPal, Stripe, Authorize.net, and any other account that behaves like those. And that sums up the assets part of the balance sheet so we can move on to liabilities and equity. Now liabilities, there's so many types of liabilities that a business could have, but in a solopreneur business, the liabilities portion of the balance sheet is also going to be very simple. You will have the balances on your credit cards at any given moment. I'm not necessarily just talking about credit card balances that you're paying over a long period of time. Even if you pay your credit card off every single month, at any given point during the month, there is a debt owed on that credit card and the value of that debt, the balance of that debt belongs on your balance sheet as a liability. Same thing for PayPal working capital loans, cabbage loans, any of that kind of thing would show up on your balance sheet in the liabilities. And just like we had current assets in the assets portion of the balance sheet, we have current liabilities in the liabilities section of the balance sheet. Current liabilities are those liabilities that you expect to clear within 12 months. So a credit card is basically a revolving line of credit. You're always putting money on it, paying it off. That's a current liability. Your PayPal working capital loan, you're probably going to pay that off within 12 months. That's a current liability. But if you, for example, took out a $100,000 loan from a family member or a bank to fund your business in the first place, maybe you're paying that off over a two or three or five year period. In that case, I would say those types of loans belong in the non-current or long-term liability section of your balance sheet. The idea between this current versus non-current, short-term versus long-term label that we apply both to assets and liabilities is as we're trying to evaluate the health of the business today, we want these things divided so that we can at a glance see what's in the short term that I've got to deal with. What's in the long term that I've got to deal with. How do those impact the decisions I'm trying to make in my business right now? What options do I have for these assets and liabilities? Can I convert my assets to cash? Can I refinance my long-term liabilities to help improve the cash flow in the business? This is the sort of decision you're going to be making. So you need to have clear information at a glance on your balance sheet for what's what in your business. So if you were to look at my client's balance sheets right now, you would have current liabilities that would include their credit cards and any short-term financing they might have gotten through PayPal Working Capital or Cabbage, that kind of thing, which hopefully happens very rarely because those are basically payday loans for businesses. And then in the rare case that I have a client who's taken out a long-term business loan, you'd see that in their long-term liabilities. So here's what you have in the owner equity section of our simple solopreneur's balance sheet. First, you'll remember in a previous episode of the Bookkeeping 101 series, we talked about how money gets into, out of, and moves around inside the business. And I told you that when you contribute money to your business as an owner, of course, that's not income for the business. We call it a capital contribution. Over time, we want to keep track of exactly how much money you've had to put into your business in order to grow it, in order to sustain it, 
and we track the total value of those contributions that you've made to the business on the balance sheet with a line called capital contributions. So that's the first thing I want to see on my balance sheet and on my client's balance sheets in the owner equity section, the value of the total capital contributions for the period that we're tracking with the balance sheet. So it could be this month, this quarter, it could be this year, it could be all time, but it's the sum of all contributions that I've made to the business in order to start it or sustain it. And then of course we have owner distributions. We have the mirror image of capital contributions. So on my balance sheet, I want to keep track of the sum of all the money that I've withdrawn from the business as an owner. And again, it doesn't matter if I call it a draw, a dividend, or an owner distribution. It's just money that I'm removing from the business to use in my personal life. It's not money that I've processed through my payroll service. It's not salary. It's not wages. It's just a withdrawal of cash from the business that I'm taking as the owner. So in the owner equity section of my balance sheet, I have the sum of all the owner distributions for the period of time that I'm tracking. And again, that could be this month, this quarter, this year, or all time. The next thing I'm tracking on the balance sheet is called current earnings or current year earnings. And that number represents the profitability of the entire business for the period that we're tracking. So this is where the number that we generate on our P&L, that net income number that we get from our P&L flows through to the balance sheet to represent the amount of profit in the period that we're tracking that belongs to the owner or owners. One of the things I own as the owner of my business is the business's profits for the current period of time, whether that's this month or this quarter or this year. I own the profits, so those profits belong in the owner equity section of the balance sheet. Now, the last thing that I'm tracking on my balance sheet and my client's balance sheets in the owner equity section is retained earnings. Retained earnings represents the portion of your profit that you left in the business. So let's use an example here. Let's say that my profit for 2017 was $100,000. And remember, profit is simply a measure of revenue minus expenses. So if my revenue was $300,000 and my expenses were $200,000, that leaves me with a profit of $100,000. Let's say that of that $100,000, I take $50,000 out of the business through an owner distribution. When I did that, you remember, nothing happened on my P&L. All I did was withdraw that cash from the business. Well, if I had 100000 in profit and I took 50000 out as an owner distribution, that means I left $50,000 in the business as retained earnings. I like to use retained earnings as an indicator of whether my business and my clients' businesses are getting stronger over time. If my retained earnings is growing from year to year, what it means is that the business is producing more and more cash that it didn't need for its day-to-day operations and that the owner did not have to take out to use in her personal life or his personal life. In other words, if retained earnings is growing, then cash is piling up in this business to the point where it might actually become a problem. We might have underused cash in the business that we need to go do something with. But we track retained earnings on the balance sheet because again, It's something that the business owner owns, so it goes on the owner equity section of the balance sheet, and it represents a tool that the business owner has available to make different decisions about how to run their finances. Now, in case you're wondering, yes, retained earnings can be a negative number. Let's say that I had that same $100,000 profit in 2017. If my owner distributions in 2017 were $125,000, 
I have negative retained earnings. I can also end up with negative retained earnings if my losses start to pile up year over year. So again, let's go back to 2016. And let's say at the end of 2016, I had retained earnings of $25,000. In 2017, if I had a loss on my P&L of $30,000, then my retained earnings would go negative because the retained earnings that I brought into 2017 with me would be eaten up and then some by my $30,000 loss in 2017. So another way to look at retained earnings is that it's a representation of your accumulated profits or losses over time. So those two scenarios each hint at different problems in the business. If my retained earnings are negative because I, as the owner, drew more cash out of the business than it produced in profit, then I have a situation where the owner is robbing the business of its health and its strength. If I have negative retained earnings because I had a loss in the business, meaning my expenses exceeded my income, well, then I might have just a fundamental business problem where either my expenses are too high or the market's not buying my product anymore. That's just basic profitability issues. So if your retained earnings are negative, you've got to figure out why. Is it because you're not profitable or is it because you're treating your business like a piggy bank, like a little slush fund that you can do whatever you want with and then work on those problems accordingly? But that's why we track retained earnings on the balance sheet. It hints at where the business's strength or weakness lies. So that sums up the owner equity portion of the balance sheet. We've got the capital contributions where the owners put money into the business. We've got the owner distributions where the owners took money back out of the business. We have the current earnings, which represents the profitability for the period of time that we're looking at, whether it's a month, a quarter, or a year, whatever it is. And we have the retained earnings. All of these come together to to add up to our owner equity number. Now, without getting into the nitty gritty of why, what you need to know as a, as a business owner is that you know that your balance sheet is accurate when the value of your assets equals the sum of your liabilities and your owner equity. Those numbers have to match. So if I have $100,000 worth of assets, then the sum of my liabilities and my equity have to equal 100000 And you might think, well, how's that possible? How does it work? That's beyond the scope of bookkeeping 101. It just works. If your balance sheet doesn't show that your assets equal the sum of your liabilities and your equity, then something went wrong in your tracking. Your P&L might be wrong. You might have incorrectly tracked your owner distributions or your capital contributions. You might be calculating retained earnings incorrectly. One of those things went wrong. That's why one of the best uses of your balance sheet is to ensure the accuracy of your P&L. Because if your P&L is wrong, your balance sheet won't balance. And if your balance sheet balances, it's a pretty good sign that your P&L is accurate. So it's not enough to just track the income and the expenses of the business. You have to track the income, the expenses, and you have to maintain an accurate balance sheet as a check on the validity of your P&L. So let's just do a two-minute summary of the balance sheet. At the top of the balance sheet, we've got assets. And in simple solopreneur businesses, that mostly means cash and cash equivalents. Checking accounts, savings accounts, payment processing accounts like Stripe, PayPal, and Authorize.net. Next, we have liabilities. And in our simple businesses, liabilities usually come down to credit card balances, short-term loan balances that are not credit cards. And we also might have long-term liabilities like bigger business loans that we're paying off over a period of years. Then we have the owner equity section. In the owner equity section, we have capital contributions. We have owner distributions. We have current year's earnings or current earnings. We have retained earnings. 
Those things all combine to equal the owner's equity. In order for my balance sheet to be accurate, I add owner equity to liabilities, and that needs to equal my assets. So 100,000 in assets, 50,000 in liabilities, 50,000 in equity means a balanced balance sheet. Listen, if you've made it this far, I got to give you kudos because I think that's some heavy lifting conceptually. Balance sheets are a little bit tough to understand. Thanks for sticking with it. And thanks for sticking with me through this whole series. To be honest, when I started this bookkeeping one-on-one series, it felt like something I should do, but I didn't really think anybody was going to listen because it's bookkeeping one-on-one. But it's been fascinating to watch my podcast audience basically double since I started the bookkeeping one-on-one series. If you want to do me a favor, you could send me an email, mark at markbutler.com and explain what you've liked about this series because apparently people are liking it, but I'm not necessarily sure why. If you found the series useful, do me a favor, go to iTunes, leave me a review so that other people can find the series and get use from it. And last but not least, if you want help implementing my bookkeeping philosophy in my preferred bookkeeping tool, go to letsdothebooks.com and that's where I can help you out. The series is winding down now and the next episode will be about my preferred bookkeeping tool, why I like it and what your alternatives are. So thanks for listening. Have a great week and I will talk to you next Friday.